clubhouse. Uh, Lauren, don't. <clears throat> in case you ever actually want to play Wink Emoticon Rob, Claire's Rob? Is, is he still sniffing around? Ugh, why can't guys just take no for an answer? I'm sorry, you did say no, right? You're not dating the ex of the perfect STEM angel who's doing free labor for you, right? Okay, I, I, I try not to like him. Kelsey! Okay, I did, but he's sweet and funny and I don't feel the need to impress him. I am so sick of dating these guys who are hyper-competitive and belittle my ambition and feel the need to crush it. And with Rob, it's just, you know, it's uncomplicated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, except it's not. And welcome to Hell or Good, the younger podcast. I'm Sheila McGann. And I'm Emma Good. Tonight we're discussing Season 7, Episode 10 of Younger. This episode is called Incubated. And before we get too far into it, you should also check out that Spotify playlist that we created. It's the Hell or Good Younger playlist by Pod Clubhouse. And it's some mood music to help you along as you wait the days in between new episodes. And I spent a lot of time on it in the last week, uh, adding a lot of different songs from previous seasons and catching up a little. I think I missed a few songs from this season. So definitely has grown in the last week. So I hope you check that out and enjoy that. Okay, well, let's just get straight into it. Just a reminder, we've expected you've seen the episode. We do have a lot of spoilers. We talk more about the characters and what happened. It's less of a recap. But I'll start with my highlight from this episode. Yeah. I think if it was me, seeing Maggie come back, you know, she's had her shows now being a bit more successful and that was really good to sort of see a happy ending, I guess, for Maggie. I'm sure there'll be still more. We've got a couple more episodes to go, but it was nice to see that she's had that down period and now she's sort of coming back up again. But I think I also like that this episode was less about Liza, Charles and Quinn for once. (laughs) I like that your highlight is a (laughs) non-event. Yeah. Well, your sub sub (laughs) highlight was like a non-event. It was just like, no Quinn, yay. (laughs) It's just been too much of that love triangle. I just am a bit over it, really. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been very much in our face the last several episodes. Like, we got a break from Quinn a few episodes back, but then it's just been Quinn, Quinn, and Quinn. So my highlight was actually within the subcontext of the Maggie arc, was actually seeing Mark Lynn Baker back on TV as Clive Wexler. So I am a child of the 80s. I am a child of the TGIF lineup from the 1980s and 1990s, which was uh, on ABC here. It was called uh, Thank God It's Friday. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard of that show. TGIF was like a three-hour block of TV shows on a Friday night, which included Full House, included uh, Dinosaurs, included Perfect Strangers. And so Perfect Strangers is where I know Mark Lynn Baker from. It was a staple of my childhood. So not only was like that lineup part of my childhood, but Perfect Strangers for sure. Uh, I remember all those shows. He, yeah. I never watched... I remember watching Full uh what was the first one full house full house yeah yeah i remember watching that and i do remember dinosaurs but i i know there was perfect strangers but i don't remember that being one i particularly was into as a 
child, but yeah, I know the show existed. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, for me, it was just very heartwarming. It's very cute. Um, I'm a child of immigrants. So like anytime I see a story like that, apparently like I gravitated towards it when I was young as well. Um, just seeing like this fish out of water. But Larry, so Mark Lynn Baker plays Larry Appleton and, and he was the person who took in Balky Bartakamas and was trying to show him around. So I just love his persona. I love him as an actor. He's been in a couple different things, but most people are going to know. They'll be looking at him and be like, I know that face. Where do I know that face from? He is from Perfect Strangers. So I just love the fact that he played Clive Wexler and the exchange between him and Maggie at her show really for me was so momentous for Maggie in her arc because it validates what we were saying a couple of episodes ago about this cancel culture. It's being too extreme when it doesn't also allow for personal growth. So Maggie's had her personal growth. He covered that show. So I liked that it was it was very much of a bookend between the artist and the critic. And anytime Voldemort is kind of like mentioned, you, you have my attention. <laughs> I, I did like that. I'm like the show that shall not be named. Oh, I'm Voldemort now. I did like that. Yes, <laughs> I I really response. liked that. Their 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 witty repartee back and forth. I really liked it. And I like the fact that he was covering her renaissance now, really. Like, this was her rebirth, her her coming back into society and and him allowing her the pathway, like the on-ramp back onto, like, the information superhighway and, and allowing her back into sort of mainstream culture again. So I just liked how full circle this story has come, but just having him be there and, and be the embodiment of where she's come from back in 94 with the show that shall not be named to now. I'm just liking the media transformation. So he said, I covered you back in 94 for The Voice, which is the Village Voice, which is it used to be an underground newspaper where you would like find out about, you know, just alternative artists in, in all you know facets of, of art from music to, you know, wh- who was playing at the different clubs in the village and stuff like that. So it was really about the Greenwich Village the village voice so it used to be an underground paper but now it's it's very mainstream but the fact that he's now covering her on instagram you know so you have really the spectrum of media as well so i just liked how full circle this really came for her and just again just having mark lynn baker back on tv yay anytime he's there i like him yeah it was definitely good well i was thinking we could maybe start talking about kelsey and her storyline in this episode because you know we finally saw the blow up between Kelsey and Claire and Claire finding out about Rob I don't know like I knew this would probably come because it's you know a show that they need to have conflict and, and resolution in but I kind of am hoping that this doesn't actually break up Kelsey and Rob because I feel the worst has happened. She's left her home so that, you know, Claire will feel okay with Gemma staying and everything. But I kind of want Kelsey and Rob to stay together. I really like them as a couple. And I think he's good for her because like she said, you know, she's not competing with him like she has with others. He's supportive of her ambition. He's not trying to pull her down. And I think that's what I like about this relationship. It seems very supportive. He just wants to be with her and let her be who she is and not try to change her. He's not involved in her career. He's almost the antithesis to what Zane was, right? Zane was very competitive with her and very much challenging her on so many different levels, both professionally and personally, that it felt exhausting now seeing her with Rob. So yeah, I agree. I like where they're going. They feel like 
like a very natural kind of a couple to me. But I did feel that things seemed to unravel quite quickly for Kelsey this episode. As much as this episode was really about like incubator, things happened really quickly for her in this in this episode, I felt. From her even trying to break it off with Rob very early on to Claire being recruited to help develop the app to then Claire's finding out holding Kelsey's phone. So what was your take on this big reveal, like Claire's reaction on the discovery that Kelsey and Rob are dating? I think we said back when we were talking about the brunch episode, I'm like, is she just holding back a bit on what really happened and, you know, not really maybe feeling comfortable about opening up about how she felt about the breakup? And I think we really saw this here and it didn't come as a surprise to Josh at all. He mentioned, you know, know, really hit her hard. And that kind of shows that they've got a really good friendship between the two of them, which, I mean, we've barely seen Josh in this show at all this season. So I feel like we've missed a lot of what's happened with him that seems to all be happening off screen. But it just sort of shows that when you're new friends with someone, you can't really know how they're really feeling because they're not ready to open up to you fully so Kelsey's just sort of assumed oh but you said it's mature breakup and also she probably really liked Rob and didn't want to have someone sort of rain on her parade either so it's a bit of a tough situation but I do kind of feel like if I was Claire I would feel a little bit used that I've just created this app for you that's going to help you make money I've not asked for anything for it and now I've just found out you're sleeping with my ex um I can kind of understand her reaction even if it was a sort of mature breakup it's still gonna hurt to have someone like keep this from you you know I don't know if anybody's really ever had a mature breakup because there's feelings involved all the time it doesn't sorry I I have I'm getting over a cold so my voice is doing weird things today but feeling when feelings are involved, I don't care who you are, I don't care how old you are, it gets messy. It might get messy for one person, but it might not get messy for the other person, but it's messy. And I think if it's a mature breakup, then maybe there weren't really real feelings involved. Yeah, it's a very slippery slope. I, I think it's just something that she said. Uh, obviously, she didn't believe it. Josh confirmed it. But this is also a cautionary tale and never give your phone to anybody under any circumstances. Uh, doesn't matter who it is. I've, I've had that situation before where I didn't realize text messages were going to my iPad and my dad was using my iPad and like my boyfriend started sending text messages who my dad oh, did not know about yet. My <laughs> Lord. Luckily, they were all PG rated texts. But yes, I learned very quickly, be aware of where your messages are actually appearing. <laughs> wow, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, so basically never, never, you know, give your phone or um, allow messages to go to alternate devices. But Cynical Sheila's is back. I get that Claire is mad. And I do agree with you, Emma, that it would feel that she's been used creating this app for free, basically. I mean, I'm assuming it's for free. It didn't sound like there was going to be any money transacted. It was something that she was just going to do for her friends, right? But I don't like where she went with it. She leaves, right? She walks out and then she comes back in and she's like, I don't trust her around Gemma now. That was a bit much for me. Don't involve Josh in this. Like, like Kelsey and Lauren are not involved in Gemma's care whatsoever when she's there, from what we've seen so far this this season. To involve Josh in this, I felt that that was a really low blow. But then when I thought back about it, I'm like, this is kind of where Claire goes. She goes into the nuclear zone 
when she feels threatened. And I'm thinking back to season five when her and Josh got married and she was essentially blackmailing Liza to support their lie with immigration. So I feel like this is just Claire's version of protecting herself and she just seems to go nuclear when that happens. But I just didn't appreciate her involving Josh and basically saying, I don't trust her around the baby. So therefore implying that Gemma can't now stay there as long as Kelsey's there. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit extreme as well. And and it's really punishing Josh and Gemma more than anything to do with Kelsey. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. But at least Kelsey sort of went, okay, it's fine. I'm leaving. Don't interrupt Gemma. That's not the person that should be inconvenienced in a way. But it did sort of leave me, you know, when she was on the couch at uh, Maggie's place, I was like, is this her having her quarter-life crisis? Like, I remember having a bit of a quarter-life crisis in my (laughs) mid-20s. I totally do. Um, it's actually what made me make the move to the UK. I turned 25 and I realised I'd always wanted to live in another country. In Australia, we have access to a lot of what's called working holiday visas in lots of countries around the world. And the best one's the UK one because you can go for two years and it was quite open as to what type of work you could do, whereas others can be very restrictive. And I'd always wanted to go and live overseas. I'd done six months in the UK, uh, not the UK, the US for my student exchange, but always wanted to do another trip. And I turned 25 and just went, that's it. I've got to like do these trips before I turn 30 because all the visas run out once you're 30. Like they're meant to be for youths. <laughs> so, um, Did you see your youth uh, slipping away at 25? I was my youth slipping away at 25. And uh, but by 26, I was on a plane a week after I turned 26 to move to the UK. And then I stayed there for 13 years. So, um, <laughs> that wasn't particularly the original plan it was only meant to be two years (laughs) hey listen my mom emigrated to this country she was supposed to she was on a one-year working visa and it's now 52 years 50 almost 53 years later so yeah so you know better than me but um it just sort of like reminded me of that period in my life where i was like what am i doing with my life i had all these plans and i'm not following through on them and i'm wondering if kelsey is feeling the same because she's like i was a publisher i was you know she was looking for a house a couple of episodes ago and now she doesn't even have the money for that because she's invested in dylan i can totally understand that she's maybe having a little bit of a quarter life crisis i I think we've just trademarked a term here emma quarter life crisis so it's published it's out there it's yours oh i'm sure it's existed i I definitely Ah, ah, take the credit for it take the credit for it well if it happened it happened back in early 2000s when i called your quarter life crisis back then so so what do you call a 19 year old crisis because that's what i had and that's how i landed in australia Is, is that just like a, a entering adulthood crisis? I don't know. I was I was having like my late teenage rebellion or something like that. Yeah. Something. So something. because it was the same thing, I was like, I had all these plans, and it was just like, what am I doing? I all I was doing was working. I was like, this sucks. Yeah. And all my friends were off having better times. So, um, but it also was reminding me, like seeing her on the couch. I remember when I got to London, I was staying in a hostel for a couple of weeks before I found a job and a place. And there was a lady in the hostel room that I was sharing with who was in her 40s and living in a hostel. 
because she just never had constant employment and all this sort of stuff. And I remember like being in tears because I was struggling to find a place to live, struggling to find a job. And I'm like, if I turn 40 and I'm living like this woman I'm sharing a room with, I don't want to be that being my life. And now I'm 42 and thank God that is not my life. <laughs> but but uh, it did kind of freak me out that that could be my life because I just sort of like upped and left a good job to move to the other side of the world with no job. I had a bit of money, but not a massive amount of money. and A finite yeah. resource, really. Yeah, so I feel like I had like a couple of years long quarter life crisis, but it all turned out well in the end. So that was the parallel story. So like Liza was saying to Kelsey, trying to reassure her that, you know, think about it like, you know, I was 40 and all of this kind of unraveled for me. So you were living like the parallel story of like, mm-hmm. you were the 20 something. That was the sad Liza yeah. <laughs> in your hostel. So that's a, a cautionary tale all around. But I do give this a way to good things because yeah, I think it will force her to reprioritize what's important in her life and focus where she's going next. Yeah. Like where you said, like, you know, she was taking stock, like I was publisher. So I was all the way up here and now I'm on a couch. Right. So she's not the type of person who's going to wallow on the couch. She's going to, I just, I chuckled at Maggie and Liza having out their little sister wife, little, you know, tit for tat. I thought that was hilarious. And Kelsey's like, maybe I'll take the whole day. Yeah, I think she saw her future and a bit like when I saw the lady in the hostel, I was like, that is not the path I want to be on. Right. This is working for Maggie and Liza, but I do not want to be part of this little sister wife club. But now just to bring it back to Claire, because I just wanted to to get your, your thoughts on now that Claire knows this app is kind of like lingering out there in my brain. Like, do you think she's going to do something to either sabotage the app or she's going to just pull it back altogether? What do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure because, like, obviously she's created it. She knows how it works. She probably still has all the admin passwords. And then she'll try and transfer that over to Kelsey. But I don't think they actually completed that before she got the text messages. So I am a little bit worried because we do know, like you said earlier, she can go a little bit nuclear. And potentially she may do that. I don't know. I hope she doesn't go down that path more for Kelsey and Liza's sake, but I'm not sure I trust Claire that much. I don't have a good like crystal ball to kind of see where this is going to go directly, but I just feel that Claire's reaction has been so stark on so many different levels and that she feels so betrayed. I, I just, I don't know. I just feel that somehow like all the money will get funneled to her or something like that. If it in fact is allowed to happen, she's hurt. And now that she's gotten her baby involved in it, I just feel that it's just, it's almost like past the point of no return. Like, I don't think that Claire could ever see Kelsey again without, I don't know, I I can't say without some violence ensuing, but definitely some words coming out of her mouth that are are probably not good for baby's ears to hear. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely feel that the beginning of a friendship is completely dead in the water now. Let's never gonna happen anymore so but i just hope she doesn't go down the sabotage sort of route yeah i'm hoping that josh is able to talk to her and you know calm her down a bit but yeah again with how far josh has been relegated or demoted i think demoted is the word that i was using this season it's just so we're on episode 10 there's two more to go there's a lot of story still untold here Yeah, and I just feel like after the KT thing with Josh, he just seemed to disappear. He was there in the background, but there has been, he's not been involved in 
any of the stories since then, as other than just a couple of comments here or there. He's just not being in this season at all, and I'm finding that so annoying. I mean, yes, I'm Team Josh, but at least give him a storyline or something. He's been such an integral part of the show, and even when him and Liza worked together, he was still a big part of the show. And to just have him like completely left out just seems a bit of a disservice to the whole show. They basically replaced him with Quinn in terms of the story time. And that's not a good trade-off. It's not. No, definitely not. I'm very upset about that. And I don't even think that can possibly improve in the next two episodes. I think the ship has passed. Yeah. So there's two episodes left. And, you know, I was just seeing some chatter online this past week about taking a go or having a go rather like at the show creatives. Like, you know, is it COVID that they kind of took the track they did this year with this season, you know, limiting Diana and potentially Josh's storyline was the other really big part of this criticism is that like, where has he been? You've had him be third and fourth man the entire series and up until now, and now he's barely getting a recurring role. So there's a lot of criticism about where the season's gone up until now. I do want to say, and I meant to say it in the beginning, I felt that this episode had a lot of the charm of the older episodes from prior seasons, especially with like the incubator story arc, the, the Clive Wexler part uh, about Maggie's show. There were a lot of good things that were happening in this episode that I was getting a feeling like from the older seasons in this episode, where I've been kind of missing that like... You know, I don't know how you really describe it, but it's like the thing that makes Younger tick for so many fans. I felt like this episode had it back. Yeah, I agree. But I also think it was maybe because we didn't have the ridiculous Liza, Charles, Quinn love triangle focused in this episode, which has been the focus of so much of this season. And I still just can't understand how they ever set Charles and Quinn up as a couple, given what she had done in the previous season if you're going to have a love triangle for Liza and Charles and someone else choose someone else other than Quinn like Quinn was not the person that this should have been happening with maybe they just didn't want to introduce a new character I don't know but I have been a little bit disappointed with the way this has gone the only thing I feel that might redeem this because I really don't want to see with the Charles particularly after the way his, he's been behaving as I don't know, he just doesn't seem to be behaving like himself. I want her just to be on her own in the end. If she's not going to be with Josh, then let Liza, like, find some other passion that's maybe just, you know, her and Kelsey doing the incubator. I don't know, but I kind of don't want her and Charles to get together because he's just been a massive dick this season. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we said it last week, and I said, I think it's looking like team, hashtag team nobody is going to be like who Liza ends up with. I think it's going to be like Liza's career. So I'm with you. Yeah, I don't guess I don't want Charles to end with Quinn either, but I don't want him and Liza to really be together. I'd rather they both sort of go their separate ways and be open to new love separately. Yeah, especially after how he behaved last week. And, and you know, I was thinking about like how Liza stood up to him and confronted him and I feel like that's what she needed, like that that burst of tears that she had with Maggie. I think that's what she needed to fully get on to the point where she's at a mature breakup. Ha ha ha. Because it's been so 
so much of a tightrope between them. You know, they have to work together and they have to see each other all the time. And, you know, Incubator is becoming this thorn in Charles's side because he's just, he's, yes, he's been a massive dick. So the way that he behaved this last episode, especially, and the fact that he got called on it, I'm glad. We'll talk about Incubator here now, but just how he's acted, he deserves, he deserves nobody at this point. Yeah, that's how I'm sort of feeling at the moment as well. And we'll get into the Incubator sort of storyline now. I think it's probably the natural progression. At the beginning of the episode, he was still very much, you need to focus on your actual jobs that are paying your wages and get, you know, the high-selling authors that we've been focusing on. And then he turns up to Incubator and there's this, you know, was a National Book Award winner, turns up to speak, and suddenly he's interested in Incubator because he sees, oh, maybe there's potential here, you know, there's named people turning up to this little thing that they've created. And it feels like he just sees it as their, like, little project. And, oh, you know, like Kelsey said, I felt like he was going to pat me on the head. It was, like, really condescending how he was behaving towards them about this. And now that there's, like, a named person attached... He's like, oh, well, maybe we can, like, you know, give you some money for it and, you know, we can speak to Chicago because things have been going well and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just like, it's all about you. You don't do anything to help anyone else. He just does it all for himself and only when he can see something that's in it for him. He was not supportive at all. He didn't even want them to, like, mention Empirical in the press. Like, I just pissed me off so much that it was only when he could see it becoming successful that now he's interested in it and I feel like he's just going to take the credit and and that's exactly what Kelsey says too right that she's like you know he's just going to like swoop in and mansplain how this is a good idea we created it but I'm glad that Charles got to see Incubator in action. I hated the fact that he thought that Zalia King was a setup, like somehow that they engineered her to be part of it. And it was so obvious that Vice was like, oh, as if she's here when she like went up to introduce her and then she's like, right, oh like, my oh, God, prankster. it's really you. Like, <laughs> Liza is not that good an actress. You right, know? Like, she is pretty floored generically from, from what she sees. So... I don't know. I feel like I'm being very cynical when it comes to him because he's been so awful and he's been such he's been such a prick, really, since she said no. Where again, Liza calls him out on it tonight in this episode, right? Where she says to him, you know, is this really about incubator? She challenges him again. Do you think her instinct is right? Is he still just like pissy about her from like what happened with the two authors basically the night before, really? Yeah, I don't know. It just, their whole dynamic is so different this season, but kind of in a good way because I feel like Liza just kind of idolized Charles for so many years as this perfect man and he could do no wrong and and it feels like now she's seeing that he's not always that great but she's calling him out on it which I don't feel like she did before I felt she would pussyfoot a little bit around it you know when it was um Mercury when he set up that publishing thing you know she kind of very gently was like well I'm not sure if this is such a good idea blah blah but she didn't just come out and say you shouldn't be doing this, you know. Like, she was like a yes man to him. Yeah, whereas now she's just like, fuck it, I'm just going to say what what I think and I don't really care how you respond because I'm over this. Um, and I like, like what's the worst you're going to do? Fire me? Exactly. Like she's <laughs> You've been, already stomped on my heart. Uh, exactly. Like See? Just Feelings. She's just Messy. saying, but she's saying what she really thinks and she's not holding Finally. back and she's not censoring herself. 
I like that, but I also think it feels like he's starting to see her a little bit differently. I think he's also maybe not known Liza that well either. Like when he uh, he was at the incubator and Azalea King was up there speaking, you could see the way he was looking at her as it was like he was lifting the veil from his eyes or something. He hadn't seen Liza before and what she can actually do. It's like he kind of had dismissed her as just an assistant before with, you know, maybe the odd good idea, but now he's like, oh, no, maybe there's something more there. And But I don't know, I still... I still Professionally or personally? I think it's a bit of both. Okay, yeah, because I was much in the same boat. I was thinking that when they were doing Millennial that was something that he was still crafting. He was still guiding, whereas this is something that they completely thought up on their own. And I I think, yeah, I agree that he's seeing her very differently right now, that he's seeing the professional side as well as the personal side. And the fact that she's kind of doing this without his blessing, it brings me back to like their relationship wasn't as transparent as say hers and Josh's was. And you and I have talked about this a couple episodes back where Liza and Charles, I don't think they really kind of scratched those deeper layers very much at all in their relationship. It was just much more on the surface. It was just like, we're just going to ride our chemistry and our compatibility. Liza calls him out on it too, without even realizing what she's done the prior episode where we didn't even talk about marriage. That's what she says to him. Mm -hmm. So if you're serious about somebody and you're, I guess, of a certain age, I I guess, I don't know, I'm kind of out of the game for a while. (laughs) I would imagine that that would be a conversation that would come up at some point. Like, what are your views on marriage? You know, he's owns a business. Would there be a prenup? Like, I just imagine that there would be questions. But if you're, again, not delving into some of the more turbulent topics, then, yeah, you're going to get a gut reaction to a question about marriage. Be like, ah, no. Or I don't know. Or And I think that kind of shows, like, how much deeper the relationship was between Josh and, and Liza. Because even though she lied to him initially, when she came clean, that was really what made their relationship deeper. Like, they started talking more about her past and his past and where they wanted to go in the future. And as much as that kind of is the reason why they didn't end up being together, because, you know, he, he admitted he wanted children, he wanted to go down the marriage route and stuff. And even though at that point she wasn't saying, I'm never interested in marriage, it was very clear she was hesitant about it. And Josh was aware of that, even though but he But they had proposed. the conversation. But they had the conversation, exactly, you know. They got to know each other. Um, whereas, yeah, I think with Charles and Liza, they seem to have skipped that step altogether. And he seemed to rush it, you know, wanting her to move in. And then obviously with the custody thing, that didn't end up happening. But then wanting to get married. And even just the wanting to move in seemed to come from nowhere. And more as kind of like a convenience for him, rather than I want to make a life with you. Yeah, so it it was just confusing for me what he did this episode because he's basically like done a 180 from where he was last week and even earlier this episode where he's scolding them in his office for, you know, not focusing on their job. So it seems like, it seems just really weird to me that like last week he was all about the safe bets and the named authors and now he's content to take risks. It's just, I'm not convinced that it wasn't like the dollar signs first. Like he saw Azalea King and I think he was thinking how, like how much he could make money off of Incubator. I just feel like he deserves, (laughs) he deserves what he gets. He deserves Quinn because he's just like, he's just acting so badly here. 
but this isn't the first 180 he's had all season either. We had earlier one episode in saying, stay out of my personal life. And then the next episode, he's inviting Liza in to talk about his potential son and coming along to a funeral with me. That's, and, that's right, yeah. And it's just like, you know, no wonder she's like so spun around because he's not being consistent at all. He's going from one extreme to the other in like five seconds flat. <laughs> and notice both times are when Quinn is not around. That's true. It's almost like the blinders come off when she goes away because she's not poisoning him subconsciously about Liza. Very yeah. interesting. And it does seem like Kim and Quinn are maybe not compatible with her going, just come to San Francisco. And he's like, oh, it's not that easy. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure she has a private jet. I'm pretty sure. You yeah, he says that. Like, send the jet. Yeah. He's got you two know. little kids and stuff, you know, business to run. Well, let's face it, like the kids are probably with Pauline most of the time. And as if you couldn't work remotely from San Francisco if you really wanted to be with her, which makes me think maybe he's not that serious about Quinn if he's not willing to go that distance. Well, last week too, when she was pointing out the watch that she got him and he wasn't all that gushing over the gift and he wasn't, you know, making like a show of the fact that she gave it to him. That was like one like subtle indicator to me that like, maybe he's not all in on this. But I also don't think that he deserves Liza at this point, so... I'm rooting for Team Nobody if it's not going to be Josh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. I'm like hoping for Team Nobody as well. Yeah, I'm hoping for Team Incubator that she just like throws herself into work (laughs) with Kelsey. Liza and Kelsey for the win. (laughs) That's right. Because, you know, you and I talked about this very early on when we talked about like season six and the recap of season six, that this is really about like the friendship, the friend love between Kelsey and Liza. And it just, it would be just so fitting that this rom-com does not end up as a love story between a couple as if, as opposed to this being about two friends making a life together mil- building a career together and just building each other up yeah that would be a, a fantastic ending i think but i also feel we haven't we've had little moments of like the kelsey and liza friendship but i feel like we haven't even had as much of that as we have had in previous seasons it, quinn you is know. just sucking all the air out of the season I know, it has just become all about this love triangle, which has just been so frustrating. And even, like, Josh and Liza as a friendship has not really shone through at all either, and that has always been consistent across all the seasons that, you know, her and Josh were always there for each other, even when they were kind of having their difficulties they always seem to find each other again, even if it was just as a friendship and not as a romantic relationship. The only glimpse of that we had was in the very first episode at Lauren's birthday party. And then they barely, like, interacted with each other. They basically have not had a conversation since. <laughs> well, I mean, they've had, like, little bits here or there, but nothing deep. Nothing deep and meaningful, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's been a bit frustrating as well, but... I know. I feel like that's enough. We need to stop talking about Charles. It's whoa, 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 too whoa. frustrating. We got to talk about this this dinner conversation. What happens after dinner? Oh yes, sorry, I forgot about that. I did yeah. think he was going in for a kiss when that waiter was coming out with their card. <laughs> yeah, what was that about? And she was receptive to it. I'm so mad. I know. I was just like, why? Why? I just, like I said, I want, I'd rather see them end up alone than together at this point. I'm just so frustrated with their relationship. I think she's still got, well, she said, you know, episode nine, I wish I didn't love you. She still loves him, you know? So like 
two days ago, essentially, in, in the timeline. Yeah, so, you know, she's still in love with him. So if he goes in for the kiss, I imagine she's going to be receptive. But I kind of feel like she needs to cut those feelings off. <laughs> but I also think Charles has had some reflective times since that conversation. And what she said there was really poignant. I wish I didn't love you. After everything that's happened, she still at that point said, "I like, I wish I didn't love you, as in its current tense, happening at this moment. And I think that might be the domino that gets tipped over first. I think that was the statement that has really tipped Charles off. Like, he had to still shed some of that nasty attitude about, can you do your actual paying jobs? But I think that's also just him being pissy with Liza. But I think in the overarching theme of things, I think the fact that she said, I wish I didn't love you is sort of coloring his desire to be at Incubator. I mean, I'm kind of saying both things. I'm saying that he's like seeing dollar signs as well, but he didn't know that going to Incubator. Like he went to go see what it was all about, to experience what they were talking about. And really it was a very magical kind of a setup. He didn't look like he wanted to be there initially. And it was only when Azalea King arrived that he was suddenly like, oh, this might be worth it, you know? Right. He, what he had point, mortgage payments that this is going to give him down the line. Yeah, um, but until that point, he just looked like uh, a fish out of water. Yeah. I did like though Lauren making him say the password so loudly. <laughs> <laughs> right, that has to. I think we need to like insert that clip here or something like that. Him just having to say the password, and and I just loved his reaction in the office. I I was trying to figure out when she gave him the password, like what it could possibly be, because he was just like, I'm, I'm not saying that. And Peter Herman plays this character so perfectly. He's so ramrod straight and so proper all the time. So for him to have to like utter that word and then uh, those words, and Lauren's like, I'm sorry, I can't hear. And she works for him. So like, this is like, this is your boss and you're making him say fussy pussy. <laughs> I know. I was sort of like, I was looking at it going, I'm not sure I'd be that game with my boss you know i'd still need to pay my bills but yeah i love that i love that she wouldn't let him go without having sorry, everyone hear, hear it i'm a bit deaf today yeah i think no, we're going to try funny. to work that, that clip in so hopefully that that can happen but yeah i'm i'm a little annoyed that like liza was about to allow him to go in for the kiss yeah i was a bit annoyed by that but thank god for that waitress but it yes. does make me worry about We've got two episodes to go. I feel like they're going to end up together, and I'm really not wanting that right now. But I mean, obviously, I'm not the writer, and I, I know yeah. there are Team Charles people out there. I just feel like they're a small minority. They are, and uh, yeah, but also, sorry to say, but Quinn is going to have something major to say about that scenario if mm-hmm. it's going to be Team Charles. Like it, Quinn is, we talked about Claire being nuclear. Quinn is worse. Quinn has Quinn has billions to back up her nuclear options. So, um, I must admit, I have seen a few people on some of the forums and things that a team J. Do you remember who J was? Yes. Oh my god, Asif. <laughs> I would love that at this point because he was always there for Liza. I know he was only a small character and if anyone can't remember who J was, he's the one that discovered that she was lying about her age. And was the only person that didn't try to like blackmail her right. about it. Who was not in like the Don Ridley? Do we remember Don Ridley? Yes, I remember him. Was was he trying to like get an article written or something? Yes, yeah, so he was the one who was um, like schlepping to all these parties and bringing home like leftovers. Yeah, yeah. And it was played by Christian Borle, who was married to Sutton Foster 
IRL. I know. Um, <laughs> and I got to talk to him a couple of weeks ago. He's just a delightful human being, but Don Ridley was just such a hard, hard He's person. A horrible character. Um, but you know, I like Jay. He, he was there for her and, you know, pretended I to. I love uh, this. I'm Team be- Jay. If it's going to be Team Nobody, it's going to be Team Jay. I am for yeah. that. I, I don't see it happening. I think it's a very long shot, but I love that there's people out there that want Team Jay, and I can understand that one. Like, I'm like, that would actually be pretty cool. He was the only one who was like, okay. Once he understood, he's like, it makes sense. Yeah. So very like, accepting. I like it. This, I like. You're doing this for your child. I understand that. I'm willing to support you. Right. And he helped and her it's out not in nuclear. multiple situations to hide it. Right. And it's not the nuclear option that, like, Claire is doing, like, you can't be around my child. No, it's like, you know, you're doing this for your kid in a way that makes logical sense. Yeah. I like this. Team J. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a, a very, very long shot, but I like the idea, actually, better than Team Charles. Yes, I agree completely. All right. Who's next? I think, uh, I think we've I think done Liza and Charles and incubated to death here. Enough, enough, enough. Um, I think we've just got Maggie and uh, we see Maggie and Cass again. I was not expecting to see Cass again. I don't know about you. I, I think I mentioned before, did we, was that the end of Cass when she, I think I mentioned a couple of episodes ago when, you know, Maggie and Cass had that uh, interaction about her being behind the, the tweets. I thought that might be the end of Cass, but I feel like Cass has redeemed herself here to a degree. I mean, yes, she created the situation, but she has also gone out of her way to try and fix the situation that she created, which obviously she's now realised she's done in the heat of passion and upset and realised that maybe her marriage was not that great. But I love that she actually went out of her way to try and improve things for Maggie and realise that this is not Maggie's fault, that her marriage is what it was. This is just, you know, Maggie was the one that helped her see what was really happening in her life. It was nice. I thought it was nice. She came, she saw that Maggie was completely at rock bottom. No one was there. I love Lauren going over and, like, ordering her out of the show and like she may have a switch made it could be serrated like i don't know what's there (laughs) but you need to leave i love like lauren sticking up for her like that and then cast the fact that she got that art critic there and then saw that it got maggie back on the map i I like that it was a nice rounding out of that storyline i felt and really good redemption for everybody involved I, I just, I gotta say, like, I love how Maggie's crew just rallied around her. You know, Josh was like, hey, this is great. Liza's there, you know, gassing her up, you know, as they're going there. And then just Lauren, like, Lauren, very on brand in how she was trying to get Cass out. And I was trying to figure out in the very beginning, like, why Cass would show up. And, like, her body language tell was telling me that, like, she felt remorse. Like, she looked, like, really downtrodden. It looked like she was going to redeem herself or try to redeem what was going on, but I didn't see a way for her. So I like the fact that she used every connection that she had and she was able to arrive at this well-known, respected, revered art critic being the one to, to come to Maggie. Did you think that Maggie was going to even show up to the show based on how she was in the beginning? I think she was always going to go. I mean, she dressed up. Uh, her outfits at the show that she wore 
I love them. The one with the big sleeve, and then there yes. was that one at the end with the sort of like a see-through top, but with like a uh, I don't know, it was almost like an artwork on the front of it. Almost, mm-hmm. I loved her outfit. So she clearly like dressed to impress, and was hoping people were there. And obviously, was a bit disappointed when no one turned up. I was surprised when those two people turned up for the free drinks, and they didn't even stay for the free drinks. I'm like, you couldn't stay five minutes and look at some art for free drinks. I totally would have done that. But I think that once they heard it was Maggie Amato, they were like, let's yeah, go. Cut yeah. and run. So I was just like, oh, I felt really bad for her. But I loved how, like, you know, Liza told us how they met now, you know. They met at an art show at Maggie's we art show. We got an origin Liza. story. Yeah. I love origin know, stories. Bought her first piece of art and, and kept both of them, the art piece and Maggie. <laughs> I, I think friends really are the real sweet. art treasures. So I thought that was really sweet to see. But did you also notice that when Cass came up to her at the sh- at the show, and Cass is like, "I don't know what came over me," and she's like, "Well, not your wife, obviously." And I was just like, "Oh, Maggie's like still sticking in there." <laughs> Burn. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, "Oh, you know, she's not forgiving her yet." But then you know, the conversation kept going, and and Maggie realised that Cass was the one that got the art critic there um whose name i've forgotten for a second but oh clive wexler clive wexler that's right even though maggie worked it out but cass is like oh you know tried to make it out that it wasn't her it clearly was her but she wasn't trying to take credit she was there and glad that maggie had success she wasn't like oh i brought you back up and you should thank me or anything like that it was really like i'm very sorry for what i did and i like that tone of it yeah, she was really out to atone for what she did. I did appreciate her being so prostrate before Maggie, like allowing herself to be like, yes, I did this. Because you don't see a lot of people doing that anymore, like uh, owning up to what they really did. And she was she was holding herself accountable. And frankly, being very raw and very honest with Maggie saying, you know, my ex-wife, you know, we're splitting up. And then lighting the fuse really on Clive told me not to date younger women. So she was leaving this little nugget out there for Maggie to pick up the, the breadcrumb trail and realize they'd had, like Maggie and Clive had had, you know, prior interactions with different art shows. And this was a really nice way to redeem karma, right? To, to improve yeah. Cass's karma after what she did. Because like you said, she reacted out of a gut reaction to something that she was hurt. She was just angry and not thinking. And then once she had a moment to step back and see what was done, the wasteland that was really before her, both in her own marriage and what she'd done to Maggie. I like the fact that she was able to own up to it and to actually turn Maggie's fortune around. So, Yeah, but I kind of also feel like, you know, I, I said it a couple of times before, Cass was blinded by the pretty. She basically admitted that in this episode going, you know, Absolutely. I wanted to make her happy, but I didn't realize I wasn't happy, you know, because she just was, like, blinded by, you know, her wife. And it's good to see that she's realized where she's at now. Um, and hopefully she, good things come to her as well. And I kind of feel like maybe there won't be a friendship between Maggie and Cass, but at least there doesn't seem to be any more animosity between the two of them. The situation with Maggie is probably going to improve Cass's life dramatically mm-hmm. after they've all stepped back two paces from sort of the wasteland. <laughs> I come back to that term because that's really kind of what was left after this. So, no, it was it was good to see. Like I said, I want everyone to have happy endings. So 
I feel like we've seen Maggie's happy ending and um, I'm glad for that. Yes, because I mean, this bottomed out pretty spectacularly for Maggie and it was hard to see last episode even how this would come about, like how she would get in such a short span of time left. Because I mean, keep in mind, these are only half hour long episodes. You and I get to watch it without commercials, so 22 minutes, 23 minutes tops. <laughs> I know, I actually think one of them might have been 30 minutes, even without the commercials. <laughs> yes, they yeah. They seem to, like, changing, like, all the time. Well, they're not beholden now to a network TV schedule, right? So with Paramount, they're Paramount Plus, rather, they're able to kind of, like, do what they want. Notice the cursing has happened a little bit more this episode, this season than prior seasons. There's been a few little bombs. Yeah, there's been a few little bombs here and there. All right, so meditation with Maggie? Is that what's next? I think so, but I mean, I I don't feel there was much that Maggie maybe said so much in this episode that was insightful, but I really liked the bit of conversation between her and Clive Wexler. So that was the one I was going for for this episode. Yeah, I agree. I think it was more the conversation between them and what the realization is for her, right? The building her back up. And and like I said earlier, I said, anytime Voldemort is going to be mentioned in daily conversation, you have my attention. We're going to play the clip here. It's a really great summary on Maggie and how resilient she is. Hey, Clive. Have you been demoted to obituaries? Maggie, a motto, long time. Of course, you two know each other. You are so effing cool. (laughs) I reviewed her show that shall not be named for The Voice in 94. So now I'm Voldemort. You haven't changed a bit. You're still as combative and chaotic as when I first saw you. She pasted my face on a Maplethorpe print and blanketed my neighborhood with photocopies. (laughs) But at least now you're channeling it into your work. I am impressed. Really? You like my show? So far, yes, very much. Can I see the rest of it, or uh, do you want to heckle me some more? No, 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 please, go ahead. Yeah. All right, so that was the Meditation with Maggie quote. So what did you think about that, Emma? So I I really like this interaction between them. It kind of showed that, well, Maggie's been in the art world for a long time, as we know, and I'm sure in New York, like other places, it's probably a fairly small world where everyone knows each other. And that sort of comes through here, but it also shows that Maggie is who she is and she's always been that combative, I'm fighting for myself, I'm fighting for others type of person and that really hasn't changed over the years and I kind of like that we see she's always been that type of person I really loved their kind of backwards and forwards particularly with his when he was like I'm impressed or you want to heckle me some more and I kind of feel like he would have been okay with being heckled some more as well yeah I like the fact that it reminded and you touched on this it reminded her who she is and as long as she's true to herself, she's always going to come out okay. And he's, you know, he said, I like what he said. He goes, so you're still as combative and chaotic as ever. Yeah, that's her. She's unapologetically Maggie. And she even said it to Josh a couple episodes ago. She goes like, I don't tiptoe around the terms. Like, I am who I am. And I think this was a reminder for her that she's at her best when she's being herself. So the meditation really is that. It's just you need to be true to yourself in order to be useful for society to be useful to you know for what it is that your your medium in this world is so i really liked that and then the fact that you know we get a voldemort reference oh you know 
Although it is interesting, I thought, given this was all about cancel culture and, and you know, transphobia, and uh, we get a Harry Potter reference, and um, obviously J.K. Rowling has, oh. been, has been very um, criticised for her views. Um, and I've read that essay, and I must admit, the criticisms are very valid. Like, I did not find it a great essay that she wrote. So I did think it was interesting that, that they it's kind put of tongue that, in cheek. Yeah, that they put that reference in there. Very good. I didn't even make that connection. That's fantastic. I mean, you know, that you made the connection, not what it's all about. <laughs> not, not, not what it was all about, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, it, it kind of, I feel like, brought the whole storyline together. And it's being like subtweeting without actually subtweeting. First. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As we know, this show always has lots of Easter eggs, so I just feel like that was another one there. So I'm going to throw you a curveball here. So we're at episode 10. There's two more to go. Where do we go from here? Give me your best guess on Liza, on Kelsey, on Maggie. I don't know that we're going to see much more of Maggie. I feel like what we've seen in this episode is kind of her happy ending. And if we see more of Maggie, it will be more just the supporting character she has been throughout um you know cheering Liza on or being there for her tears and hugs and stuff like that so I think you know with Maggie we're kind of we've reached the end of her story and I'm happy with it I I think it was a good ending Kelsey I definitely really want to see her and Rob get together and with her and Liza to have something big happen with Incubator I think that's definitely leading up to it, although it does seem like this spin-off is not going to happen. Now that Hilary Duff has been attached to How I Met Your Father, I feel like the spin-off is not going to happen for this, which I'm disappointed about. I think it would be brilliant, particularly if it was going to be focused on Incubator and maybe Kelsey running her own business and and that sort of storyline. That would have been great. So I'm a bit disappointed that seems unlikely, but they could still leave it open-ended maybe and come back if maybe the other show doesn't work out. Who knows? Liza, I don't want it to end up with Charles, but I feel like that's going to happen. But I don't want it to happen, but that's my prediction. (laughs) And I feel like they're not even going to have anything for Josh. Kind of why I left him out. (laughs) Yeah. I just a bit disappointed by that. You know, we've not seen Diana at all, so I feel like she's not even going to be appearing in the next two episodes. We've had that one minute of her on FaceTime. Although I guess, you know... Last season, she kind of got her happily ever after in any case. So maybe we don't need to see her in the next two episodes, but I would love to see another Diana. I think for the finale, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that for the finale, we'll definitely see Diana again. I I have nothing to base it on. I haven't seen anything, but I feel like for the last episode that they'll make her appear via FaceTime or something like that. I hope so. I really, really like that, but I'm... I'm not feeling very hopeful because I just have been a little bit disappointed with some of the season this season. I agree. So I don't want to get my hopes up and have them dashed, maybe. Yeah, I feel like something big is going to happen for Kelsey and for Liza with Incubator just because it's it's been set up. You have this National Book Award winner. Charles is invested. I do feel that the way that it's been written so far is that Charles and Liza have some sort of reconciliation but then there's the Quinn bomb so I feel that whatever whatever happy ending that Charles and Liza might have had will be earthquaked, swallowed up whole by Quinn. I'm liking her to natural disasters. (laughs) Well, 
let's face it, she's not one to leave quietly. Yeah, and I feel I feel like Kelsey and Rob will probably end up as a thing because they're they're naturally good together. I just don't know how the Claire app will go. I, I feel like Incubator's being set up to fail, though. I do feel that is happening because... I don't with, want that to happen. Well, between, like, Quinn and between... So Quinn to, to sabotage Liza and Charles and, and then basically take Liza's, like, eye off the ball. And then Claire is the nuclear bomb with the app. So I feel like... like I'm hoping that Kelsey gets her down payment back. That's the thing I keep coming back to because she's having her quarter life crisis. I need Kelsey to get her money back. That's that's what it's coming down to. I need At episode. <laughs> Dear Darren Star, I need Kelsey to get a check back for her down payment so she doesn't have to live as a sister wife on Maggie's couch. There, that's how I need episode twelve to end. As yeah, long or as at least at least let her find a place where she has her own room. Wait a second. Rob is a developer. He's going to swoop in for her. Let's hope so. He's going to find us an amazing apartment. All she needs, Emma, is that soundproof room. In, yeah. Like off the kitchen from one of those, like the model house that he was showing. That's all she needs. I mean, let's face it. She's not a cook. She doesn't need a kitchen or anything. She needs a bathroom and a bedroom. That's it. <laughs> and a microwave, basically. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that they're going to do a good job for the last two episodes. I know that they're going to... So next episode is going to be very tense because they have to set everything up. They have to set up all the dominoes for episode 12. I wonder if episode 12 is going to be longer because I feel oh. like that's a lot to wrap up in a 20 Wouldn't it be good if they had like a double episode as the final episode? Right? Like an hour long younger? I think that would be fantastic. But um, yeah, it just feels like there would be a lot to have to wrap up in 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 like one episode for for a finale so i don't know but you'll have to come back next week and you'll have to see what happens for the next episode i think that just about does it for us here tonight does it i I think that's it we want to thank you for listening we appreciate it very much um we have been in the charts just about like every week that i've checked since we started so i want to thank you all for downloading and subscribing and listening and rating and reviewing it's all very much appreciated all of that action all of that interaction it does enormous amounts for our visibility in the charts that other people can find us it's appreciated if you can keep doing that head on over to apple Podcasts or wherever you got this podcast from to rate review and subscribe we're going to come at you two more times for episodes 11 and 12 if you could follow pod clubhouse on all the social media things on instagram twitter and facebook at pod clubhouse you can find emma on twitter emma what are you on twitter i think it's e good 79 like e g o o d e 79 like hella good wink wink (laughs) i don't don't use it a lot but i do get notifications so if something happens on there i will get notified but there you go i think i've mentioned before i'm not i'm not the most active social media user but if you're at emma she'll get back to you for sure i will respond definitely yes and i'm uh, shields mcgangsta on twitter and we are very grateful for you to listen and we'll see you again next week thanks so much thanks guys bye Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.